Welcome to Common Ground Berlin, where we delve into hot-button topics in the German capital and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and today's episode is an edited version of our recent live show at the Salina Hotel Mitte in central Berlin. The topic was cycling, which is the transportation of choice for many here, whether to work or school or just for fun. But what happens to cycling when a new Berlin government takes charge? Joining me on stage at the April 15th show to answer that and many other questions was Heinrich Strössenreuter, who is instrumental in Berlin's bicycle referendum and dozens more across Germany. He is also the founder of the groups Changing Cities and German Zero, and more recently Klima Union, a grassroots movement with the CDU and CSU parties seeking Germany's transformation into the first climate-neutral industrial nation. My other guests were Oliver Walker, a contemporary artist with exhibitions and residences in 11 countries, who is with Netzwerk Fahrradfreundliches Friedrichshain Kreuzberg, or the cycle-friendly network of Friedrichshain Kreuzberg, and Josh Telson, who is another avid cyclist and stand-up comedian and filmmaker. He co-hosts the monthly storytelling open mic show called Four Eyes. Josh also handled the recording of our live show. I asked each of the guests to describe how cycling factored into their daily lives. Heinrich went first. I'm cycling every day to work. Unfortunately, only like 10 minutes before I lived in the Grunewald, so it was half an hour. And the result, I feel here around my belly. So <laughs> it doesn't suck away the calories because it's only like this uh, small cycling uh, pathway I have uh, every day. I'm watching Twitter and newspaper what's going on in cycling policies in uh, Berlin and uh, uh, Germany as well. And the last thing is uh, I work for German Railways to put up an initiative of the cycle associations, the railway associations, the railway operators to combine cycling and uh, railways uh, even better. So in terms of like building up uh, bike and ride uh, facilities, uh, transporting the bike and the train, talking about uh, special cycling tickets in the train. So that's uh, cycling with me right now. Well, yeah, I'm excited to hear about the railroad part because we actually had our first Deutsche Bahn experience with an electric bike last week, and it was not great, shall we say, on Easter Sunday. So hopefully uh, you will be successful. Oliver, how about you? How does cycling factor into your life? Um, yeah, I'm cycling around the city. Um, today is chucking it down. I arrived in my incredibly sexy uh, waterproof trousers. You missed the chance to see me. <laughs> whip them off like a terrible stripper actually i was in h&m a couple of weeks ago and it was raining even more than it is today it was raining so much that the security guard and this hasn't happened before approached me as i came into the shop with an incredulous look and said did you just come out of that and then he told me what trouble he has trying to park his car um in his neighborhood where he lives but i thought we bonded somehow and then yeah i'm i'm um I'm kind of rent-a-mob. I go to all the cycling demonstrations just as a kind of foot soldier. I was there last week. We were demonstrating in light of the most probable new coalition. We ended up at the, a site where a cyclist was killed in a suburb, the kind of places where um, the, the probable new coalition would like to not have any cycle lanes and no safe infrastructure for cyclists. Um, and we ended up at the SPD house, where the Social Democratic Party is. And then quite a sad end to that day that was just last Saturday just a week ago I was on my way home from a drink with a friend and cycled onto Karl Marxstrasse in the neighborhood of uh, Neukölln and a cyclist had just been violently thrown onto the ground by a car and his back of his head was pouring with blood um, just out of curiosity was he wearing a helmet 
no, I don't okay. think so. Most of the well-known psyching proponents would put that under victim blaming. Um. It, it was just a question because I, I'm just curious. I don't see that many helmets here, and so I was just curious if because my yeah. actually the first death I ever covered as a journalist yeah. was a cyclist who was wearing a helmet, and his brain was also all over the highway despite the helmet. So um, it made a lasting impact of me. So my question wasn't so much victim blaming as curiosity, but I yeah. understand. I understand your point, Josh. What about you? Um, you know, you're American. Do you cycle in the rain here? Because I don't. I, I came here on my cargo bike. I brought all the gear here in my cargo bike. I also had from America. Yes, all the way from New York. I cycled across the Atlantic. Um, no, I mean, I, when I lived in New York, I was I cycled everywhere as well, and ended up in the hospital as a result. Um, but um, that's another story. No, I mean, I, I cycle every day and almost exclusively. I think if you live in the middle of the city, there's no reason not to be cycling everywhere if you can. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm lucky enough that I have a cargo bike, and I'm able to bring all this gear here with me. And uh, and I'm a cargo bike and a 10 euro pair of um, rain pants from Aldi is all you really need to be able to make it through the city. I I, I cycle all the time. Well, my husband, he works uh, at a TV station, and he has like shifts that start at 11 at night, four in the morning. And he was cycling this winter and cycling uh, in the middle of the night or whatever. And <laughs> as nervous as it made me, he was—he's become quite German about it, despite being American. So yeah, I cy respect cycling that. the winter is great because then we don't have the tourists who don't know how to behave on a bike, so it's even <laughs> safer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I'm going to be stay a wussy American and, and do the recreational cycling when the weather is fairly decent. <laughs> but uh, how would each of you rank the importance of cycling to Berlin on a scale of 1 to 10? What number would you assign it? Heinrich, you can start with you. Yeah, somewhere between 5 and 7. <laughs> that low? Yes, yeah, depends if you're like on the cycling uh, family and cycling attitude, then it's more 7, 8, 9 or 10. If you're not there, then you say, okay, it's good if you have good cycling lanes and uh, like a, s a safe environment, and then it's uh, one of other issues as well. Wow, okay. And Oliver? <coughs> Perhaps similar. Um, I, I come from the UK, and when I first moved to Berlin, I think like perhaps many people thought oh it's much more possible to cycle here and then the longer i spent here listening to people like heinrich i realized that it could look very different and much safer so yeah i guess my sort of estimation of how the city deals with cycling is going almost down and down when i realized what it could be like so i'll also give it a four after i saw this guy injured last week four <laughs> yeah and i mean i hate to just be a, a repeat but i'd say the exact same thing when i first moved here i was just astounded at how amazing it was to be able to cycle here and now after 11 years 12 years i feel like it could be so 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 much better and i see far more now how um it is not a big priority for a lot of people depending on where you are, or depending on cycle lanes. So is it an issue for you, Josh? Do you see it as an issue of there not being enough safety measures or precautions being taken or facilities, infrastructure being built for Berliners? Or is it because there are so many cyclists? Because, I mean, I don't want to downplay 10 deaths last year, but 10 deaths in a city of 4 million, it's not, uh, certainly from American standpoint, we have mass shootings every day, um, it doesn't seem that large. So I'm just wondering, what do you think the issue is here? Is it just that there's too, not too much cycling, but a lot of cycling, and or is it a I precautionary think should be issue? More. I think there should be zero deaths, and we should be shocked at 10. My big uh, sticking point has always been enforcement. I mean, if you look at you know the laws, road laws, um, even just parking laws, I think if, if we were to enforce that stuff in Berlin, it would already get so much safer. 
I mean, there have been so many cycling injuries and cycling deaths because people have to go out into the road because there's a car parked in the bike lane or double parked or this, that, and the other, or just people passing way too closely. I mean, it's the only reason why I don't let my kids ride on the road. It just scares me to death when a car passes by me. So for me, um, I think it's how safe one feels on a bike. If we were to make people feel more comfortable on a bike, I think there'd be a lot more people on that's true. I would probably cycle to Potsdam Platz. Now, that's where our studio is. And Dina rides her bike. I just, you can't get me to do it. <laughs> and my husband on the weekends, when, when I do my recreational biking, he's always looking for roads that are not as traffic ridden so that I'll ride in the city. But my preference is to get on a train, go out somewhere, you know, or ride out in Plantenburg or somewhere and, and not have to do it. So there's, I take your point. Berlin is about to install a new government. We've sort of hinted at that here in, in a variety of answers we've had so far. Um, it's likely going to be a black-red coalition with the center-right Christian Democrats in charge of transportation. Heinrich, what does this mean for cycling in Berlin? Given the expected senator in charge of transportation, Manja Schreiner, has pinned a tweet to her uh, Twitter account that says, Berliners have problems other than making sure priority is given to bicycles. That doesn't seem to bode well for building more infrastructure or enforcement or the like. Where do you see it going? Yeah, I, I googled her as well and there's almost no picture of her with a bicycle uh, to find <laughs> so it's um, something which we can improve I guess and there will be uh, in the next three years there will be lots of pictures I guess. The next thing is uh, she has already 80 employees, uh, cycling planners, which hadn't been there uh, five years ago. So this is a result of the cycling referendum. They still will do their work. So we probably get even much more cycling lanes in the last five years because there is like a time lag when they do the planning stuff and uh, before the, the construction guys go out and, and uh, build actually the bicycle lane. It might be still a sharp uh, increase in bicycle lanes as well. They said they would uh, check a couple of things in the bicycle law, the width of uh, breite. The width. Yeah, the width. width. The width of bicycle lanes. We said must be two meter thirty that two people could like uh, pass by each other. And there are also like uh, law cases where judges say that's uh, the uh, width we need. And so there's one of the discussions. And then they also said in the coalition treaty that they want to prioritize uh, various measures. So this might be a good idea, but uh, it's not sure if what they really have in mind. But uh, <coughs> like today was a newspaper, an interview with me, and they said uh, when they start to like uh, make the bicycle a little bit smaller, then I get on the roads again. And make noise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because Kai Vigna, you were talking about the widths, and he has announced uh, on occasion, Oliver, that the 2.3 meters, that it shouldn't be a fast rule, that it should be a case-by-case -case basis, that maybe some roads, it doesn't make sense. That kind of is chipping away at the 2018 mobility law, right? Um, but uh, Heinrich, there's, there's one yeah. point in there. If you make a bicycle law where there's almost nobody riding a bike, and then take away 2 meter 50 from a busy street, then people get uh, nervous and angry and stuff, because in those areas you have mostly like car users. So uh, you have to look very carefully where you start with the 230, where you might start with smaller ones. So you have to have in mind where you build acceptance on cycling policy and where you uh, get into anger, because this slows your whole process down. You have to think it in a kind of change management and look at what are the appropriate measures first and what are the appropriate measures second. Do you agree, Oliver? Or do you think the SPD will sort of stop the CDU from taking away 
or chipping away at the mobility law or otherwise amending it. I don't have a lot of confidence that the SPD will. Um, they didn't, one of the few parties that didn't write a pro-car message on their campaigning posters as the CDU did, but even so, their politicians also use the same kind of pro-car talking points that the, a lot of the CDU politicians do. Yeah, I'm definitely nervous that they will keep on with it. The sort of default is pro-car policies. And then what they write at the start of their current agreement between the two parties is um, that everyone should get along better, basically. I think they write this word miteinander to get along better 15 times. And I think this is a kind of dog whistle uh, pro-car message. So it sounds nice. Oh, I'm, I'm down with that. And then you, you say, what is getting along better? Does that mean we can reduce the speed limit so people don't get killed? Uh, no, we don't mean that. Okay. Does it mean that we will... No, I, feel, I have to interfere. Like I read the coalition oh, yes, treaty very carefully. Oh, yes, I love this discussion carefully. and debate. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm. So. Yeah. <laughs> they said very, very clearly that they would to reduce the speed level to 30 kilometers an hour where we have like uh, problems with the air quality. And this position both the CDU didn't have in the last five years. They had huge fights against the green ones when they started to do this, but they were like forced by judges to do those. So there's a change in the policy. And uh, another thing, I had a discussion with Kai Wegner 2015, even before the cycling referendum. And uh, because I found somewhere a newspaper article from him that he was arguing we should do more for cyclists. I said, I want to know this guy. And we had a good discussion. Then later on, he called me and said he was proving this with his voters. And I was very astonished. They also want to have more cycling policy. So I guess once you had an, an, an thought in your mind, you can't like wipe it out very quickly. So I'm not this negative. Still, as activists, we have to look very carefully what uh, is happening there and be on the spot uh, when they try to uh, get something done. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say, though, is I feel like the environmental measurements is a good way to make sure nothing ever happens because that's a very high bar to set for a policy to be implemented. They're already not checking speed limits or enforcing the rules that are in place. So I feel like if we're gonna be having, we're not gonna be reducing the speed limit unless air emissions in a certain area are too high. How are we gonna make sure that they check the air emissions? When I can answer to the speed limit issue and like enforcing uh, regulations, this might be one of the entry points for us as activists because that's the core value of the CDU to look on uh, like uh, regulations and safety issues. So let me ask you though, is this government actually going to enforce the rules more, whether it comes to cyclists obeying the law or whether it comes to cars obeying the law. Because right now on the bike lanes, you'll see cars parked in the in the bike lanes and you'll see cyclists who will just blow across the street or whatever. I mean, none of this is new to us. Anybody who lives here sees that the, the laws are not really readily enforced. You know, cyclists on the sidewalks or pedestrians in the bike lanes. I mean, do you expect there to be more enforcement? I hope for like 100% more enforcement. If we do as uh, activists and campaigners a lot of stuff, then it might be 50% more enforcement. If we do not, I guess it will be 10% more. <laughs> Everybody agree? I mean, do you think there'll be more enforcement or do you think it's gonna be enforcement only on the cyclists? 
Is that your fear? I mean, when they Oliver, uh, yeah, they introduced uh, a new um, cycling police, and it was that was I think part of the cycling referendum proposal, and then it was quite a mean surprise that then they cycling police because they're physically close to the cyclists, they decided to enforce their <laughs> rules by giving <laughs> fines to cyclists. Yeah. I was on Cottbus tour a few months ago, a place where I had been twice because somebody has been killed by a car turning right and so the police generally they have like um, action days where they enforce road rules whether it's with cars or cyclists and they had a lot of, of cycle cops there and I pulled over and started chatting I don't think they like me but I'm very polite <laughs> and I said can I just and he's I said because if you look over and as I finish the sentence a truck turned right through a pedestrian crossing. His colleague used his whistle. The truck driver didn't hear it, and the truck driver just drove through the crossing. He didn't kill anyone, but it's the exact same crossing where not one, but two people have been killed. And then I said, what are you doing? And then as, again, I started my next sentence, and five meters further on, his, his colleague was giving a fine to a cyclist, who cyclists, in the rule, generally don't cause any injuries. So... Heinrich wants to add something. Go There's ahead. a fun fact coming now. <laughs> In the coalition treaty, they say they want to have much more cycling police. So they might have the idea of like uh, looking more on cyclists than on truck drivers. Uh, then we had 2014, 15, 16, we had the first scientific research thing in Mitte with the 20 cycling uh, policemen and the number of heavy accidents uh, decreased by 50%. I think not only because uh, the truck drivers looked a little bit more, but the cycling drivers were looking, are they here, are they there, could I go by red over the crossings? So of being more aware that there might be policemen, it increased the safety for us. And that's like a strange kind of fun fact. It's not what we are looking for as cyclists. We would like to have like more uh, policemen watching on car drivers and truck drivers, but there's also an, another effect uh, which is actually positive on heavy accident numbers, scientific proved. So let me just stop for a second to see if anybody in the audience has questions so far. I actually have a question. Okay, Dina, go ahead. Um, is cobblestone or cobblestone streets at all a part of like conversations regarding improving infrastructure infrastructure or the environment for cyclists? Because um, I live in Prenzlauerberg where a lot of the streets around me are cobblestone and I cannot really ride on the sidewalk because like it's strollerville over there. Um, but at the same time, cobblestone just like, I don't know, I feel like half a human after, you know, riding my bike over uh, three cobblestone streets. So is that at all like an issue or something that is brought up? Heinrich, go ahead. In the coalition treaty, there is no issue on that one. Um, it's an issue probably more in the Bezirke, like the, the departments, and there it's probably one issue of those networks of Fahrradfreundlich Neukölln, or Friedrichsrhein, Kreuzberg, whatever, to make changes in those kind of roads. But uh, I also guess that there's an openness in the CDU to have this kind of discussions to get the cyclists out of the pedestrian uh, paths and bring them back on the road, but it doesn't work only with enforcement. You have to make an offer. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. I just, I just I have to laugh because it's the same thing in my neighborhood. I live in, in Kreuzberg in Grefekiez where they had this great idea. They called an experiment. They were going to get rid of all the parking. 
and I've been complaining about this for years because I, you know, the sidewalks are narrow, and I would love to be able to ride with my kids on the street rather than taking up more room on the sidewalk. But first of all, it's you know it's supposed to be traffic calming, uh, you know Schrittgeschwindigkeit is what they call it. That means these cars are supposed to be driving at the speed someone's walking. I've literally never seen any car do this. They all go really fast, so that's one thing. But then there's cars parked on both sides of the street that just stand there forever. And that alone to me is the reason why they can't be safe cycling, right? I mean, and it drives me crazy sometimes when I'm riding with my kids on the sidewalk, which I'm allowed to do, they're allowed to do, and the pedestrians give us dirty looks or say something, and I understand, but I don't know where else I'm supposed to go. And then I look over and half of the space that's given to us as the public is taken up by cars that are parked there and don't move. This is my favorite time of year because the tree pollen comes down, and if it doesn't rain, you can see how long a car has been sitting there. <laughs> um, and uh, that's the kind of stuff that like really drives me crazy uh, is that that the amount of public space that we give away for free for cars just to sit there. And I know anecdotally, I know so many people who have a car in the city. It's free for them to just keep it, and one weekend a month they go out of the city. And why wouldn't they keep a car here? You know, that to me is a policy issue that I, I feel like, unfortunately, now is probably not changing anytime soon. And then in Greifekeitz, this experiment went from eliminating, I think it was a 4,000 parking spots, they're now reduced it to 200, which is incredibly sad for me. Well, to go back to the point that Heinrich made, about, though, about the, the, this being up to the Bezirke, or the Bezirke have to act on this more, do you, is anything happening in your area, uh, with Oliver? Cobble, with cobblestones? Uh, well, yeah, with cobblestones, or even with the parking, which Josh brought up, which will. Um, there's a new um, so-called cycling street in uh, Neukölln, where they did remove the cobblestones and put in tarmac and. Weserstrasse. Um, oh, I love that stretch of Weserstrasse. Yeah, yeah. It makes me so happy. Yeah. Well, it's happy because it's got bollards in the middle. Yeah. Oh, that's I've seen twice. I've seen cars drive through anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but apart from that, there's a lot. I'm not quite sure where to start with this. Um, <laughs> this in in Greifekeitz, this um, so-called experiment, which um, which is going to be also run by a, a research institute, um, and the opposition to it, which even comes from members of the left-wing party, which is quite tough to, to yeah. stomach, um, because they also this was quite ironic. They also said that they should essentially ask everybody, and by this they also meant car drivers, before we take away. Uh, any parking spaces, which I was talking to a friend and she said, oh, that's the people who want to appropriate people's apartments think we should ask everybody before we make a new rule. That's that's quite <laughs> impressive. That, like, um, It's like, should we ask everyone who's rich before we introduce a new tax? I'm not quite sure that's how politics usually works. Um, and it was quite surprising to hear it from the left-wing party. But um, It's also, it's like, it's four, I mean, they're talking about 4,000 parking spaces, so, and even if every one of those was taken by, up by someone who lives there, I think there's something like 12,000 people who live in the neighborhood, so that's not even a third of the people who live there, right? No, it's about 20%, and in addition, okay, yeah. they offered to give them highly subsidized <laughs> yeah. parking spaces in Hermannplatz, <laughs> exactly. which is, I think, 400 meters away, and I just looked at this morning how far people usually walk when they visit Ikea, which is between 1.5 and 3 kilometers within the shop, <laughs> so it's asking them to walk between a third and a tenth of the distance that they would normally walk right. around Ikea, yeah, which yeah, yeah. seems to be fine. Um, but it's mildly less convenient. You, for for, you forget that, exactly. Yeah. 
the good thing is, or the good thing, whatever, <coughs> we have still in the um, Bezirke in, in the inner city, we have uh, the Green Party as uh, the winner of the election. So they are in charge of uh, parking regulation and of cobblestone stuff and so on. So even if like on the center level, we have uh, black uh, um, socialists and, and uh, Christian Democrats, um, on the Bezirks level, it's still green. So um, maybe activists should look more on that one. And Basically, at the end of the day, it's always the question, are politicians more afraid of car users or cyclists or pedestrians? Car users. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, car users. The oh. politicians are always more afraid of yeah. car users. And, and that's then our job to change that. That's that fair. they even fear us more than the car users. Well, there actually, there was a study last year that was quite interesting that was done by the development bank KFW or KFA. More than half of the respondents in this study said they would be willing to cycle to work and elsewhere if they had better access to cycling infrastructure. Heinrich, what would that infrastructure or improved infrastructure need to look like in Berlin to get more Berliners onto bicycles, you think? I can make a very nice example with the Kantstrasse in Charlottenburg. This had been for many, many years a very dangerous uh, area. Then there was a guy killed in February 2020, and in this time I, I lived still in Grunewald, so I said, okay, now I make every Monday morning a demonstration until we have a bicycle lane, there is a safe bicycle lane. And the idea was to legalize the illegal parking uh, lane in the middle and uh, make in the old parking lane a bicycle lane. So uh, actually they managed this within three months. And what happened then were two things. The one thing was the number of cyclists increased by 300%, and the number of women beyond the cyclists increased to 50-60%, uh, and this is a good uh, key performance indicator about the field safety of a bicycle lane. So if it's around five or 10, like before on the Kantstraße, and it's very, very poor, if it's uh, beyond 50%, then it's a field-safe environment. And that's basically what we need in the city all over the place. Parking car could be a good car if it's like blocking the normal car traffic or uh, truck traffic from cyclists be in the middle so that we have a safe bicycle lane between pedestrian lane and parking lane. Then it's a good infrastructure. Josh, what do you think that looks like? <laughs> As a uh, better infrastructure to encourage more cycling to work? Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, you know, the, um, on, talking about Kapasa Dam, Kapasa Tour, like the cycle lanes that now run from Kapasa Tour down to Hermannplatz is a perfect example to me that of exactly what you're talking about. Although, ironically, of course, that's not supposed to be parking there. That's supposed to be a loading zone. Yeah there's not supposed to be parking and the cars park there all the time anyway and i've seen the ordnungsamt drive by twice i've watched them drive by and they're <laughs> they don't do anything about it but that i mean i whatever i'm not gonna I, I care about it but i'm not gonna get too upset because at least we have the cycle in there and it makes that little stretch which i drive down cycle down all the time so much I mean it's like I sometimes I forget how much of a horror it was to ride down Kapasa down before it's just a small little anecdote so that that little thing but that was just kind of basically they were able to sneak that through because of the pandemic right I mean well, also yeah, Oliver we, yeah, yeah. Also sorry I'm, I'm taking no, no, credit from you <laughs> but we also had to organize a demonstration on it once a month for months long right to push them to do something they all had already said they would do 
to push them to do something that they had the money for sitting there yeah. to do in a street that's six lanes wide. Right, I right. count both directions when yeah, I talk yeah, about sure. lanes because you can have one-way streets. It's not a problem. And on this thing with the parking, so it's a, for people to imagine, it has what you'd think of as three lanes in each direction. Previously, it was one lane for was used for parking by default. One lane was used for illegal parking and one lane was moving. <laughs> and and the, our group put a camera up there and measured that something like 90% of the time the, the lane in the middle was indeed blocked by cars. So, yeah, illegally parking. So. Well, let me ask about delivery trucks because you talked about loading. And delivery trucks, I mean, they're not there forever. They're not supposed to be there forever. But they still park wherever. I mean, <laughs> they're blocking car traffic. They're blocking cycle traffic. They're even blocking pedestrians. What should happen with that? I mean, how do you address the issue, the need, the growing need for deliveries, whether it's food? I mean, you know, people are ordering more and more. And how do you couple that with what is the infrastructure here, Oliver? I think the answer is to make provision for deliveries. It's not that difficult um, because, as Josh mentioned, where there is actual, in theory, provision for deliveries, like it, there's a sign up that says you can deliver, you can park here for five minutes and people park there for five weeks. And if you talk to somebody who thinks we should all get on with each other, quote unquote, but is actually a pro-car person, and they say, um, what about deliveries? Or they say, what about disabled people? And then I would respond, great, let's make all parking spaces just for disabled people, deliveries, exactly. and uh, construction workers, people who need to like install things. And suddenly the, that argument somehow withers away because that's not most of the time not actually what they want. And, and actually, I would argue that it would really be better for car drivers who do actually, there are some people who do need to use the road, who disable people and delivery people. And it's really tough for them because they can't find anywhere to park. And we all need these services at some point. Everyone's, I don't know, called an ambulance or has a sick relative. And I think, yeah, they are really badly served by the sort of pro-car lobby who could, yeah, enforce the rules so that the system worked better, yeah. So this year, we talked about this a little bit, but I want to get at it a little bit more definitively, and that's the change to Berlin's parking law that resulted in free street parking for cycles, uh, for cyclists, sorry, and for other two-wheeled vehicles or drivers of two-wheel vehicles, but increased the cost to drivers of four-wheel vehicles or trucks or the like. City officials said the change would clear the sidewalks of bicycles and scooters, but critics of the law predicted it would do little more than increase tensions between cyclists and drivers, and we've heard about some of that already. Uh, who would end up paying more for fewer spots. Heinrich, which side was right? And can we expect to see these multi-floor... Well, let me ask that question first, and then I'll ask you the second one. I mean, who, which side was right? Yeah, I think this was not a very smart discussion from both sides. And the most important thing was to get away the scooters from the bicycle lanes or pedestrian lanes and uh, build up like parking spaces for them where the car parking has been before. This was the most important thing. The other stuff wasn't really important. And uh, the Green ones made the mistake uh, to bring this into the discussion, into the communication. And so media picked it up. And so they created for no needs and, and conflict between car users and bicycle users and stuff without improving anything on the street. Oliver, you agree? I mean, this was a Greens initiative. He's right. Uh, the Greens hold the transportation portfolio right now. Um, has this helped? Has it done what city officials wanted to do? Has it helped cyclists not to have to pay for spots? Are they even using these spots, considering you can't really tie your bike to a parking spot? 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, as far as I understood it, uh, I didn't think it worked at all. Um, when I first heard about it, I thought uh, some friends thought, "Oh, that's 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 great." If I understand the thing you're talking about, where you're allowed to park your um, bicycle on the in on a the parking spot, yeah, right? On the on what's what's thought of as the space for cars and. I was like, no, I'm already every day getting threatened by really angry car drivers. I don't, I don't, stick up for me. I need the, the state to build stuff to protect me. And in the form of um, bicycle parking, I want to lock my bike to something. And once it's there, the car drivers will not complain anymore. They'll just get on with it because it's already there. The idea of like throwing us out to fight with each other like animals it's just uh, it's the same logic that cyclists if you like used to use a generation ago that as long as you follow all the rules on the road it's not dangerous which is just not true and we know that you need physical separation between the same the same reason that we um we have pavements it's not a very controversial concept right but we have pavements they physically separate pedestrians and car drivers because we don't trust car drivers and um yeah, the same can be said for cycling lanes and cycle parking. Yeah. To me, it's also, it, of course, the idea is great, but the execution of it and the communication of it was just awful. I mean, it would also just be so easy to have every, and they've done this a lot in Neukölln in certain areas where, you know, the corners of every intersection they turn into with the actual bike uh, you know, uh, what do you call those things? The Sheffield stands. Th oh, thank you very much. Sheffield stands. Uh, bike parking, which first of all eliminates people parking along the corner of the curb, which you're not allowed to do, but people do all the time anyway. Um, and then it, it provides cycle parking. I feel like that would have been just the easiest thing to be able to do fairly universally, and that would have helped with this, with the communication of this idea of okay, cyclists can now take up a quote unquote car parking spot and get the scooters. I mean, the scooters is a separate thing. Well, in terms of building this infrastructure, I mean, another thing that the Greens or the the departing Greens uh, transportation senator talked about was multi-floor bicycle garages at transit stops or train stations or whatever. To and that was supposed to happen by 2025. <laughs> What now? <laughs> Heinrich is laughing. Okay. We'll, we'll build it in a year and a half. We got this. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you think that's, I mean, is this sort of pie in the sky? Or do you think that this uh, government is going to endorse that and want to do that? That's actually something where I'm really, really angry with the green ones. Because in 2018, I started with uh, German Railways as like a an, an, uh, contracted um, project manager. We start the bike and ride uh, offensive, which is like a German-wide program to build bicycle racks around uh, train stations. <clears throat> Since 2018, German Railways built about 20,000 bicycle racks and 50,000 others on a planning stage somewhere. So this could have been like the same performance of uh, the Senate of Berlin at the same time. Actually, 2018, I called the Senate or the employees of the Senate and told them, we are starting this program at Deutsche Bahn. I would like to partner and exchange thoughts and ideas. The clear answer was then, no, we are not interested with you because you have been this fierce bicycle activist, so we don't cooperate. So what happened then was uh, that they had a very, very slow progress. Then they asked an institute to make some analysis. This took another two years. 
um, then even in 2020 or 2021, we had the next contact with the Senate from the Deutsche Bahn again and said here, see there's this big, big parking house at the main train station, 800 parking lots and use of them maybe 50. So we could uh, take 100 parking lots, do like a 10-fold uh, number of bicycle racks on there, so we have in within a month, uh, one to two thousand bicycle racks on the main train station. The same thing we asked about Ostbahnhof. There's also a parking, uh, parking facility for car parking. There was also like an occupancy rate of maybe 20, 30 percent, so enough uh, car parking slots uh, to make also this increase of uh, tenfold rack of bicycle things and also the Senate and also the guy from uh, Kreuzberg, Friedrich Hein Kreuzberg said no, we don't have the money, we can't make this, so it could have been finished already. So this is not uh, due to anybody else in the CDU, SPD, whatever, this is like a decision by the Greens and not performing in the city. Do any of you have a figure, um, I'm John probably doesn't about what it costs to build. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> sorry Josh That's I don't okay. either for what it's worth uh, to ha to build a bicycle rack you know or to, to do something like that I mean are we talking hundreds yeah. thousands you know no it's like for 10 bicycle racks it's about 500 euro so do you expect then Oliver in the next uh, by 2025 that we're going to have these garages uh, bicycle garages we were promised no <laughs> I don't know, it might be a different point, can I? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. But I think there's something really fundamental um, about, we were talking about the parking and essentially taking away parking spaces to give space to cyclists. And then also in terms of this, everyone getting on together concept in the, in the new coalition contract, there's very little talk of there just being fewer cars. In a sense, I don't really care if there's more cycling. I don't really care if more people use public transport. It doesn't really make any difference. I want people to be safe. But ultimately, it only matters in terms of climate and the climate crisis if there are fewer cars in the streets, if the cars are smaller, if they're going slower. Um, and there's this always, in much of the language from almost all of the parties, there's this idea of just more of everything. And without fewer cars, which is a difficult thing for people to say and hear, it's a bit pointless. And uh, analogy, um, I'm not sure if it works, but if you know Schrodinger's cat, so Schrodinger's cat is this philosophical um, thought experiment, if a cat can be uh, stuck in a box and dead and alive at the same time, and I think of Schrodinger's car traffic, where the car traffic, the number of cars in the street can both decrease because we care about the climate, but also increase because everyone should be allowed to travel how they want and jobs and what have you. It is, is impossible. We can't have both at the same time. So, yeah, I'm not sure if that... <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for the initiative because I am not a spokesperson, but I worked with the um, Out of High Berlin, the, the initiative that was, there's a, there was an initiative, uh, um, I'm losing my vocabulary in English. This is what happens after 11 years here. But a referendum to try to get uh, cars out of the within the ring of the city, and uh, it was really enlightening for me to like have a lot of statistics come out that like kind of validated a lot of my feelings uh, over the past whatever a few decades of my life that uh, I, I've been cycling and realizing um, how absurd it is that we give up so much of our space to cars. And the thing that's always surprised me, because I come from America, which is known for its car culture, 
Um, and I, I just always operated under this, like, oh yeah, Americans love their cars. And I, it's uh, really um, been enlightening to me the past few years where I've realized that actually Germans love their cars way more than Americans love their cars. Um, there, are, I know so many people in the States who would readily give up their car if the alternative existed. And although it could be better, there are actually so many alternatives in Germany and people still hold on to their cars. And I talk to people who I consider liberal, progressive, you know, people who are still vehemently pro-car. And that is always surprising to me here. Um, I don't think anybody in California would give up their car, at least I don't know Yeah, I mean, but maybe, maybe New York is different. Well, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I, I, I can only speak anecdotally, and of right. course it's my circle of relatively left-wing people and of a certain generation, but I know a lot of people in California who would love not to have a car anymore. In fact, I know two people who don't, and their lives are so much more difficult because of it. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, I mean, you're right. They're you have to have cars in the United States, yeah. which is not a good thing. I mean, Heinrich, you wanted to add something about yeah, the, the car culture. The question about the numbers is very interesting. In Germany, we have in many, many city centers already a decrease in the car usage. Mm -hmm. So it's going down. But it's not an issue cycling activists know. It's not an issue uh, um, traffic uh, politicians know. It's not an issue, uh, uh, I say, comedians know, <laughs> media people know. So we talk about a situation where in our mind is car traffic is increasing. The number of cars is increasing, but in the city center, the car traffic is decreasing. Berlin, in Köln, in, in Hamburg, wherever. So what we need is to accelerate the step from the car to the bicycle. And once uh, we have the bicycle infrastructure there and people have new habits, then we can start to fight against uh, car parking. But uh, doing the wrong way, it... Uh, it creates a lot of resistance and it brings the old school parties like CDU or SPD to a situation where they follow the crying issues of the car users mm -hmm. and not the, the wishes and the good feelings of the bicycle users. So basically we have to think much more intelligent about a huge scale cultural shift program and figure out what we are doing and where we might wait a couple of years and do it later. And so I think the referendum out of Freie Berlin was a nice thing I like very much. I like on the road. Mm -hmm. And probably I would say yes at the end as well. But it's not a smart thing. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's the benefit for me is I'm not actually an activist. I'm a comedian. So I get to just throw a bomb at everything and say, <laughs> no, screw the car users. They need to get... I mean, I, I, I say that somewhat jokingly. But on the other hand, we are in the middle of a, you know, a, a climate crisis that is accelerating at an insane pace. And we don't really have the time. Uh, again, my layperson's comedian's opinion, we don't have the time to be patient with car users. For better or for worse, we do live in a representative democracy where the politicians get to kind of make decisions for a lot of us. And now is the time for them to say, we've got to start thinking about the next five, 10 years. And beyond all the other issues, just environmentally, we need to get cars out of cities. But, but we but also saw what, no, the, what we, the... We need we need to get uh, fossil cars out of the city, not electrical ones. Yeah, but the tires so. on electric cars are just as bad, and so are the batteries. Yeah, but so now, now when we get into like a Okay, smart, I'm not going to let you degenerate smart, into the... Smart, smart <laughs> strategies, yeah? But I, I just want to point out the reality of one thing, though, because you can't just say screw the car drivers, because they came back and, and look what happened to this election. Just I look know. at the election well, I can, again, because I'm a 
comedian. Well, that's yeah, and right. I'm and I'm an American. I don't vote here, so I guess right. I can laugh about it too. But it exactly. was very striking to me that in a culture in Berlin, out of all places, because I thought people were really on board with more public transit, more bikes, more whatever, uh, the car drivers finally said. You know, forget it, and look at how the vote turned out. I but, mean, I mean, I, not to argue too much, but if you look at the vote, it was. I mean, first of all, turnout was pretty low, and if you look at it, it, it went from being very east-west breakdown in terms of who's voting conservative versus liberal, and now it's within the ring and outside of the ring. So within the ring, I think you know most of the people are not car owners and weren't really riled up at this. Outside of the ring, there are a lot more car owners, and for sure, those folks were very riled up, and I think those are the folks who came out to vote, and that's why we're looking at the coalition we're looking at. But yes, the strange thing is CDU and SPD got an increase of 60% of their competency of being like a traffic issues of smart party. Um, and basically, we had a big managerial mistake by the green ones and also a big uh, communication mistake by the green ones. The managerial was that with the Friedrichstars, with the 500 meters of car-free traffic, they were not able to prolong the, the traffic trial that they made. It's like a legal issue. Then the second thing is the kind of like a furniture, street furniture, doesn't belong to this kind of city type. It's something for Kreuzberg, but it doesn't like for Friedrichstraße, didn't fit culturally. So they had a lot of resistance by the shop owners there. It was basically a, a bad managed idea. Still, it was the first one. The communication part could have been, dear CDU, DSPD, we just trained there, we made a lot of mistakes, but we have new projects like Schiffsbauerdamm or Oranenstraße, Tucholskystraße, and you probably find in each Bezirk uh, at least one kilometer of, of uh, car um, streets, where there's already a lot of, of uh, pedestrian traffic, cycle traffic, lots of bars. You could say we shut them down, maybe only in the summertime, for example. Then you could have taken away the resistance of car users in the both parties. Second thing is with the I-100, uh, CDU and SPD were kind of open to like uh, prolong the whole thing. And you could have said as Green Party, dear car users, we know you're stuck every day in, in traffic jams. And then there's this party, CDU and SPD is telling you they're building a new autobahn, which might come in 20 years, but don't like change your everyday problems. For your everyday problems, we have bicycle lanes which we like to build, we put like uh, bike and ride racks on the train station on the whole, policies which they have already in place was just a communication mistake. And this gave them probably not the chance to do it anymore and now we have the change in the Senate of Berlin. Bad. Let me just see if there are any questions from the audience before we go to the last question because we're running, we're actually almost at the hour here. Go ahead and uh, introduce who you are. Hey, hi, my name is Hari. I've been living here for five years. Um, I'm an avid uh, cyclist as well. One thing which wasn't discussed here, which is uh, quite important, is these e-scooters, which probably take up uh, cycle lanes. So how are the policies being, let's say, envisioned for these e-scooters, which is probably getting more and more? I mean, we see this um, Paris has banned e-scooters I, I was going to ask, are you in favor of that? Do you think there should be a ban? Um, <laughs> <laughs> That was Dina, okay. <laughs> yeah, yes and no, because um, I think one thing what I've noticed when I was in south of France, the e-scooters in France, uh, I think the they don't have a speed cap like what they do in Berlin or in Germany, uh, which is, I think, a good thing, uh, because I have seen how fast they can be in France. And in Berlin, when I, when I ride in Berlin, it's quite slow. 
but I, I just wanted to get, uh, let's say, a government perspective of like how policies are being reformed, or generally if it is being considered um, when we talk about cycle policies. Yeah. So the German perspective, that would be with you, I guess. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, the providers from e-scooter, their biggest wish is to have like one parking lot in each spot reserved only for e-scooter parking and then they could like break, do this with electrical fencing in their app so you could only like park it there. So every kind of problem would be solved when you have this one. Next thing is uh, if you don't have bicycle lanes and they go on pedestrian lanes or into small bicycle lanes, so basically the same thing, the cyclists have bigger, better bicycle lanes. So it's basically not against e-scooter e users, but we have the same issues. And um, the last thing is I'm really in favor of scooters because they bring other audiences on like two wheels. Especially if, like, uh, look in, in certain areas in Berlin, many people of color who are like on two wheels now who haven't been seen before on bicycles. So it might be a kind of drug to get in the, even the, in the end to bicycle users. So it's a kind of also of a smart change thing to uh, push e scooters forwards. So, no ban, you're not in favor of doing a Paris Def type definitely ban? Definitely not. No, it's a, it's a great thing. I love to ride them, but I love to ride my bike because it's uh, faster. Yeah, I mean, I will say this, and I, I'm probably going to make some enemies of friends now, but because um, <laughs> I used to be thoroughly against them, and in many ways I still am, but I had surgery over the winter, and I couldn't ride my bike, and I, I, I just I did. I downloaded one of the apps, and I got on it, and I went, okay, you know what? This is actually really cool. <laughs> I really like this. The only problem, of course, is where they're parked. And I think certainly if the city, if there was a policy in the city were to make the infrastructure where there's specific parking, that would uh, kind of be the impetus for these uh, companies to geofence where you can leave them. But let's be honest, they could do that now. And they're not, the, the companies themselves are the ones who are kind of creating this issue because they could very clearly be enforcing more of their rules. I mean, you're supposed to take a picture of the things when you park them and those probably just go off into the ether somewhere because half the time they're sitting in the middle of the sidewalk still or wherever on the bike lane. So I, clearly no one's looking at that. I mean, I don't think anybody is putting it where it's supposed to be, taking a picture, and then moving it into the bike lane, right? They're, <laughs> they're leaving it somewhere, taking a picture, knowing that no one at Tier or Lime or whatever is going to be looking at this thing. And frankly, the companies, if they were to put a little bit of money into it, they could make sure that those things aren't being parked. You don't think so? I don't know. No, I, I, I think it's up to the city to provide them with the, the space. Oh, I agree. And they would have to take away car parking spaces to do no, that. No. And it, it almost feels like a kind of populist thing where the pro car kind of media political landscape can bash scooters it's like this easy third thing that there's no real political cost of bashing scooters <laughs> um, you can even get some of the like data security um, people on your, on your right, right, team right. but you keep all the car drivers happy because they're also pedestrians car drivers because they hate them and you might even pick up a few cyclists because they hate them but um, it's weird in a um, country with 44 million cars and 300,000 scooters that the scooters are <laughs> the problem. And nobody, scooters don't kill people, cars kill people. Um, 3,000 people. I don't know, you haven't been on the sidewalk when those scooters go by. 
They shouldn't be on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't be on the sidewalk. I mean, that's a very clear one. Yeah. Basically, again, was like a managerial mistake to waiting so for such a long time to come up with regulations and yeah. how to, to deal with the stuff. Yeah, Like 2014, 15, 16 started with a huge uh, bike sharing fleets like coming from Asia or to, to here. And you figure out something is changing right now. There's kind of like um, an, an technolo technological innovation like enabling bike sharing in, in, in large-scale stuff. And then the scooters came up. Right. And it took five years or six years now that we have the first parking lots reserved only for scooters. That's a managerial problem affecting in a negative way our whole traffic culture. Yeah, I agree. So let me wrap this up with one last question to each of you, which I would like you to answer in a sentence or two, you know, keep it brief if, if possible. And that, is to, and that is looking forward to describe what you think cycling in Berlin will look like five years from now. And this time we'll start with Josh, we'll go the other way around. So. <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, I will be optimistic. And I will say that uh, whether the car owners want it or not, I think maybe not five, but I'll push it to like 10, between five and 10, we're, there's, we're gonna have to reduce car use. It's just gonna be something that needs to happen from an environmental perspective. And I think there's gonna be a lot fewer cars and that is gonna give us the opportunity to create better and safer cycling infrastructure. I'm just, I, as I saying that I'm laughing at myself inside. That's never going to happen. But that's my hope. <laughs> that's my hope is that uh, that you know as soon as we can get more cars out of the city, which I think is something that's going to need to happen, that it's going to give us the opportunity to increase cycle infrastructure. Oliver, I yeah highly suspect I'll still be um, on the street and people uh, cam uh, campaigning and demonstrating, and I highly suspect people will still be getting killed, unfortunately, on the streets. Yeah, I can agree with Josh that something will happen, but it won't be in line with the Paris climate goals, uh, limits, sorry, not goals. So Heinrich, you're gonna join the doom and gloom club here? I'm, <laughs> I'm totally optimistic. Like I, count, I counted the word cars and the coalition traffic, it's none there, zero. And seven times the cycling is uh, mentioned there. Then a cycling referendum is basically changing the, the direction of policy making and it changed very, very clear to cycling. Then we have now 80 planners in the departments of Senate and Bezirks and they will do their work. So we will have, I guess, a huge increase, um, at least doubling of the cycling lanes which have been built in the last five years. I would even uh, prognose uh, four times to five times more than in the last five years have been built. So I'm very optimistic. Oliver, you wanted to, you were just waving. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had to add something. I also had the statistic about the seven times, so I, I looked it up, and it's right that it doesn't mention the word car, um, but it does mention um, building new roads, which doesn't mean the word car, <laughs> building new motorways, building new parking spaces. Okay, I look again. <laughs> and also, right. one of those seven is that we need to teach cyclists cycle safety. So <laughs> that's also like an anti-cycling point. Yeah, yeah actually, but, but like with many, many of the uh, accidents which will happen on crossing, it's not because somebody of the cyclists have looked on the right left side. Like I'm, I'm riding a lot of the city and I'm always looking. I, I don't understand why this kind of accidents happen. Thank you for listening to this edited version of our live show recorded on April 15th at the Selena Hotel Mitte. 
Our guests were Heinrich Strossenreuter, founder of Changing Cities, German Zero, and Klima Union, contemporary artist Oliver Walker of Netzwerk Fahrradfreundliches Friedrichshain Kreuzberg, and American comedian and filmmaker Josh Telson. Our senior producer is Dina El Sayed, and our social media editor is Stefano Montali. And I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Common Ground Berlin is funded by a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Climate Action. And our partner is the German Marshall Fund of the United States. All of our episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CG Berlin Podcast. We'd love for you to write us a review if you are on Apple. Or subscribe to and rate our podcast on Spotify. You can also check out our past episodes on our website, commongroundberlin.com.